As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Married to Rosemary since 1977, Dave Rothaker is a husband, dad of two girls, and a grandfather of three. He's a leadership guide for the Go Time Success Group, conducting leadership masterminds as a John Maxwell Independent Executive Director. Along with Ben Stark and Chris Hunter, Dave is author of It's Go Time, a book about Ben and Chris's evolution from single truck operators to owners of multi-million dollar organizations. Dave is uber passionate about reading and writing, and his longest-running column is The Saturday Rabbit Hole, which is published privately for the Service Roundtable. Welcome, Dave. Good morning. Mark Madison here on Books and People. Wow, today I'm so excited to have my good friend Dave Rothiger as a guest. Dave, how are you, buddy? Oh, very good. Very good. Thanks for having me. Haha, <laughs> so awesome. So I'm trying to remember where we met and when. Do you um, remember? Yeah, I had um, had been working for a commercial company in the late um, aughts, and I had gotten away from like the typical scene out there. And when I left that company, and I was sort of reorienting with like mainstream HVAC, uh, it was when I first heard of your book, read read your book, and I think I reached out to you then. I, I do that all the time with authors because <laughs> you can't help yourself. that's that's exactly right yeah right and you're like me you never met a stranger oh exactly it's not like it's a strategy it's like okay you got to do it you know right where did you grow up i uh i i uh was born in cleveland and grew up in a a suburb of cleveland uh, maple heights and I lived in northeastern Ohio uh, until 2005 when we moved to uh, Tampa Bay, Florida. Okay. Well, that's uh, I was born in Ravenna, mm-hmm. which is just outside of Cleveland, as you well know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a Buckeye. I mean, that's my father went to Bowling Green. So, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people are from Ohio. Yeah. And I'm not bashing yeah. Ohio. I'm just saying, you know, I know a lot of people who said, "Yeah, I lived in, o- I was born in Ohio, but I, I live in Florida or Washington or whatever." Yeah. And, and so, we, no, go ahead. I would say once a Buckeye, it's like we we moved here, and I I started following a few of the you know Florida teams, but I still can't not watch, cannot not watch Ohio State football. So, you know, they're so good every year. You know, it doesn't matter who's coaching. It's just, yeah, they're. Well, it's you. Uh, you're an interesting guy because you and I have a lot of things in common. Uh, you're a grandpa now. Yep. Yes, I am. I have, I have a uh, soon-to-be 12-year-old, and I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. Uh, girls, boys. 
so I have uh, the oldest is a girl and uh, Cecilia, and the youngest is Giovanni, and uh, the middle one is Rocco. Rocco. And they don't call they call him Gio, don't they? they don't call him they, Giovanni. They, yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> My wife is wow. my wife. My wife is Italian, a hundred percent. I mean, she wasn't born there, but her 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 parents were, and we've been together for forty eight years. So my my stomach is Italian, and uh, my girls, the uh, they 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 identify as Italians. I don't meet too many people who've been married longer than me. That's that's quite an accomplishment. Forty eight years. That's almost fifty. Well, we were we been we were married in '77, but we started dating in '75. So, oh, back then it was disco. Now it's Costco. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, disco. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So, tell me, tell me your story. Tell, talk to me about your ascent. Uh, did you start in the HVAC industry? No, I didn't. Uh, my dad was a, a manager of a large grocery store chain, uh, Fisher Foods, Fazio's in Northeastern Ohio. And uh, I started working there uh, when I was 16. I was making really, really good money, decided not to go to college, decided to try to uh, make a career out of the grocery store business. But I really, really didn't like it. And uh after uh, about eight or nine years, I um, was just exploring, trying to find my fit. I had been going to college on and off, and uh, at uh, at one point, I was working uh, working at a bar. And my bu my buddy said to me, he goes, "Hey, come and drive a truck for this HVAC company I work for, and you could you could make more than you're making now and still go to school." I was going I would back to school at that time. Uh, so I did, and I, I think it was about two weeks in, and I was like, uh-uh, this is really for me. I really, really like it. They uh, very, very progressive uh, company. It was mechanical, commercial, residential, and within, within like uh, two weeks, the owner had given me the keys to the shop. I went into the office every single day for an hour or two early. And I read everything I could get my hands on, mm. uh, starting with what we were installing. So uh, we were a carrier dealer at the time. So I just I read I read every installation manual of every piece of equipment that we were we were installing, and I I I stayed on pretty pretty much on the technical side of things with the learning part of it for about four or five years, and. After that, uh, I gravitated to to more of the business side. In in high school, I uh, spent uh, two years in a vocational program called accounting and computing. Uh, the uh, guidance counselor in 1971 said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to work with computers. So he goes, well, you, you need to be a systems analyst. And so the goal was for me to, was to go to college in accounting. Uh, but I never did that. But I did spend two two years um, in business in high school, so that was more or less my background. And then once once uh, uh, after about a year or so driving the truck, I got uh, an opportunity to either become an install helper or become a, a go into the service operations, which would have been inside the office. I'm uh, 28 at that time. I'm thinking. It, 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 and you know this is going to be seem hard to believe, but I'm thinking, man, I'm too old to 
to be on call. I'm too old to climb on ladders. I, you know, I think I'm just going to stay in service operations. Well, I'm really glad that I did because from, from that point on uh, a year in service operations and then past that, um, I went progressed through every single management position in the company um, with the exception of CFO. I've never been involved uh, with as, as like a CFO, but I've done every, every other uh, position in a company. So you're like a utility infielder. <laughs> right. Exactly. Second base, one base, shortstop the next. Yep. And I switch hit. So, you know, that worked out pretty good. Um, you, you said you sat down and read all the installation instructions. That's like reading stereo instructions. That's not exactly, you know, light reading. No, no, it wasn't. And then I, I come to find out that, uh, you know, I learned real quick. Well, I, I was so excited, you know, and I'm driving a truck, driving, you know, delivering equipment, things like that. So I'm asking the installers, well, how come you're not doing this? It says to do this in the in, in, you know, in the, in the install instructions and, in the, you know, the first thing you learn there as an installer is to throw the instructions out and uh, they, you know, it didn't go over real well. So I, I sort of had to reorient my position and not, not, you know, try to be like a know-it-all or anything, but uh, I took more of a, a student approach. I, I just, uh, I love people. I love, I love their stories. I love asking questions. So that, that, that really just sort of paved the way for me in the business. Right. Well, you're no stranger to adversity. Uh, how's that? You had some challenges there for a while. Yeah. You had kind well, of a turning point in your life. Well, I did. Uh, I did have uh, fibromyalgia in, uh, in 2004 and it wasn't really diagnosed until 2006. I really didn't know what, what it was that, that I was dealing with. And, uh, and then I started going on, you know, trying various medications and this and that. And finally in 2009, I had to retire because I could not work at the same time. Right. Uh, so, so I retired and it was sort of a, a another door open, door closed, door open type of thing because I, I was able to spend more time uh, writing. I started writing in 1996 when we got the internet in our house. And mm. it was, uh, it was just, uh, one of those random things. I don't even know how, how it started too much other than, uh, I got the uh, opportunity to write on, um, Dan Holahan's website, the wall. You remember the wall? I know Dan well, he's a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, he let me just kind of do my thing right on his website and, uh, I, I loved it. I, I I did it in anonymity because back then, if you're working for larger corporations, uh, you really didn't want to. It was I don't know, sort of frowned on to go out there and do your own thing. And so I just did that for a few years. And then uh, Dan had some problems with his uh, people heckling his his website. Um, I don't remember all the specifics, but he had to close the wall down. And so along with a couple of other friends, we, myself, we created, um, created a website uh, similar to Dan's and it gave him an opportunity to kind of let his people come and hang with us until he got his uh, thing straightened out. And that worked all well. And the site that we created was area51hvac.com. And that, that really, um, that, that really gave gave a lot gave gave me a lot of attention out there with my writing and everything and uh, 
finally, the the, the uh, ACHR News asked to ask me to write a column. I ended up writing a column for three years for them. But uh, writing for trade journals, I don't think was really my thing. Um, I, I really appreciate what they do. It's that really just kind of wasn't for me. I just sort of found my own outlets and did my own thing. But because of this health setback, you literally shifted gears and it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because this whole other career awaited you. It, yeah, it did. Uh, I was just uh, so so shortly after that, um, I had been a member of Service Roundtable since its inception. I also had written articles for them over the years. And in 2009, I started uh, what we called the Saturday Rabbit Hole which was a weekly uh, column that I just posted in a discussion list. It's not elaborate, uh, no design. It was just an article in the discussion list, but it really took off, gave me a lot of, again, gave me a lot of attention. I try to, I try to be creative. I write in a voice in that column, and I don't use that voice anywhere else. Um, I never had posted it outside a service roundtable because I wanted to create value for them. And so that that uh, that really uh, took off, and I, I I know a lot of people uh, tune into that every week, and then uh, and then I got the opportunity to become a mentor in the Service Nation Alliance organization, where I ended up meeting Ben Stark and Chris Hunter. Uh, long story short, uh, they asked me to uh, to write a book. They wanted to. They had both found a lot of success in the business, and they wanted to to give back. And they said, hey, Dave, you know, do you want to write a book, write our story? And I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. But I said, if I do one more thing and not charge for it, my wife is going to divorce me. So right. I, I can't do it for free. And I've done I've given a lot away over the years. I mean, it's just my nature, but something of that sort of commitment that I just couldn't do it. But another long story short, we ended up. Uh, um getting together, uh, split the, uh, the, uh, proceedings on the book and, you know, went our way. Well, Ben Stark's a serial entrepreneur. I spent a fair amount of time with him, uh, through service Roundtable and service nation. And, and Chris Hunter was one of these young guys that started a company with his wife and, you know, just grew exponentially. And to watch uh, him blossom into the guy he's become was was really fun for me. We know a lot of the same people, uh, but you <laughs> you eventually wrote a book, and I have it in my hand, and I had forgotten that when you started it, you reached out to me and said, "Hey, do you, do you have anything you'd like to contribute?" And uh, I'm just going to read what you wrote on page two sixty nine. Is that okay with you? Oh, absolutely. It says, Mark Madison's been a subtle but guiding instrumental force in Ben and Chris's career, whether it's through his books, articles, easing, newsletter, or personal discussions. Mark's an eternal source of encouragement and guidance. If three of us had heard it once, we heard it a hundred times. When are you going to write a book? Have you started that book yet? What you're holding in your hands is our answer to Mark's question. We know for a fact that many of you have been on the other side of Mark's book writing question to that. We say, dig in, start today, set a goal and a deadline, take small steps and work a little on it every day. Do you still subscribe to that philosophy? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. It took us two years to uh, to write that book. And I, you know, base, 
they were, I didn't, I can't say that I worked on it every day, but I, uh, you know, it was that small step approach, just plotting forward, moving right. forward. And yeah. Yeah. It's loaded with great information. I mean, just every page is, and the thing is what I love about it, not just the, uh, the style of it, but it, the content is just like one page after another, just phenomenal information. If you're going to succeed as a contractor, well, in any business, really, this book is kind of a how-to. So I can see how it took you two years to write it. Um, how did how did you navigate through the synergy of doing it with two other people? Oh, that's an excellent question. Excellent. Because we weren't quite sure in the, in the beginning how to do it, but I did, what I did know is I wanted both of their voices in the book and it just sort of dawned on me one morning about setting it up in the structure that I use where, you know, where we, we actually contribute right from their, you know, their voice. I, I you know, basically I had to translate, we worked on zoom, um, and I had to uh, uh, take the take the transcripts from our calls, you know, kind of make sense of it in writing, and 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 that's that's how I did that. And uh, and us inviting you, you know, to do that to do the story, it was like it. Not only was it because we've we all always had those questions, we always had those conversations. Yeah, Mark, Mark's always, you know. Hey, when are you going to write a book? I mean, we would say that all the time, and then, and plus, <laughs> plus the fact that you you are a lot like us, and we're a lot like you, and and the same. We asked Angie Snow to uh, contribute as well, and it's the same thing. So that was all about uh, synergy and that sort of uh, similar cultural type of approach. I mean, it's it's like an encyclopedia for business. Begin with the end in mind, vision, mission, values, and goals. Uh, co-worker development, recruiting, hiring, and retaining, key performance indicators, management, leadership. It just goes on and on. It's like a handbook for success. And uh, so how does somebody go about getting a copy? Well, we can. Uh, you can um, go to gotimesuccesstroop.com group.com there's a just click on click on the link or you, it can be found at uh, amazon uh okay. one way or the okay. other okay we, uh we do have um we do discount the book because uh like if we're going to sell like multiple books to an organization so there's some pretty deep discounting uh for larger organizations as far as that goes um but we um and another approach to the book really um, emanated from Ron Smith. Now we didn't copy what Ron did. If you ever read Ron's books and read our book, you know you see they're not the same. But but Chris was uh, very influenced by Ron Smith, and that's how he actually got his start. So we started with begin with the end in mind, and we sort of took that approach. Well, this is what. If you're a single truck operator, this is what you do, and this is where you know you need to go. Well, Ron Smith, I poked him in the chest about 15 years ago at Comfort Tech and said, When are you gonna write a book? And he said, <laughs> Stop poking me. And you know, he's one of my favorite people. He's like the godfather of air conditioning. 15,000 service agreements in Florida back in the 60s. I mean, nobody had service agreements in the 60s. He's a pioneer. I I still oh, yeah. tease him. 
I mean, he was speaking one time at an event and I raised my hand about halfway through his presentation. I said, I understand all of the stuff you're talking about is in a book. How does somebody get that book? And he said, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Madison, the rock in my shoe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that, you know, Ron is, what is he, 85? I mean, he's still right, active right. and uh, he's one of my heroes. Oh, he's, and I've, I've spent time, um, talking to him and, and, and exploring his stories and some of the things that he was doing in the 1960s, you know, he was hiring women, um, waitresses who had that good customer service and making them, uh, maintenance techs in the 1960s. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was so far ahead of his time, uh, back in the day. Well, there's another uh, another person that you and I knew who's no longer around, who was both a mentor to you and me, and it was Tom McCart. And yeah. Tom, when I first started, Tom was kind of a seasoned guy. He was he was kind of famous in the HVAC circles, and he used to do this thing where he had a ripped shirt. Do you remember that bit? No, I do not. I do not. Well, he, he had a sport coat on, and he and then he started talking about the challenges and adversity and whatever, and he. He takes his coat off and his shirt is ripped to shreds. It's been sliced and diced and it was horrible, right? It was like, and he, I don't even remember the point he was making because all I can remember was the shirt was sliced and diced. Oh. But what I remember was he had the ability to deliver rock solid content that was life and business changing, but he did it with a great sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He's he was more instrumental in in my progression than just about anybody uh he, he really had a a deep belief in me and it was something that just it, it just got me to the core it really got me to the core um and he was a big influence in in uh, along with yourself i mean if i ever had to say you know about the book writing thing it would have you know that rock in the shoe thing you and and you uh, you yeah you yeah and uh and tom and tom so tom tom was a really really special person yeah he really was and he i remember he said yeah he said i go on site for three or four days with these guys and i do ride-alongs and all this and i'm going ride-alongs what and of course now i do all those things and and but you know it was just a couple of casual conversations over a five-year period but he was one of those guys you couldn't talk to him for more than 15 minutes and go well, hold on let me get my journal let me write this down oh yeah yeah, he was he was one of those kind of guys. Who else were mentors for you coming up? You uh, said you mentioned Ron Smith and Tom McCart. Anybody else? No, no, no. I actually, um, I had already by the time I I knew Ron, I had already quit or uh, retired, and it was more into my writing at the time. I spent a a good majority of my time looking for mentors, and I I just. I, I I don't know. I struggled. I couldn't couldn't seem to find any, and, and it might be because I didn't pursue the path of owning a company. Um, my interests are are so uh, varied o over a, a kind of a wider spectrum that I didn't want to just get locked into uh, owning an HVAC company. And so I, I it was something I really struggled with, and. Uh, I would say Tom McCart, Larry Taylor, probably, but that was later years as well with Larry. It's just same thing with uh, Ron. Another good man. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you're a voracious reader. I don't know, and journal keeper. I don't know too many people that read as much as you and I do. Uh, what books had an impact on you? Well, I struggle with trying to identify my favorite book of all time. It's much like having multiple children or multiple grandchildren. <laughs> There's no way you're going to pick a favorite. Right. Uh, but I, I gravitated to uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Love that book. About resiliency. Yeah. And passion. Uh, the other one that I, uh, I'm identifying with uh, over the last few years is called The Art of Impossible uh, by Stephen Kotler. And it it weaves psychology and neuroscience and science into the art of performance. So I, I really like that book a lot. But this year uh, I wrote I read another book and I don't know, Mark, I I slapped myself because this book was published in 2021 and I don't know how I missed it, but it's called The Gap and the Gain by uh, Dan Sullivan and uh, Benjamin Hardy. And it's a really, really good book, The Gap and the Gain. And so I'm uh, that that's that's edging up there to uh, one of my uh, one of my all time favorites. Well, Dan Sullivan's kind of a marketing guru. Right, you know he's a pretty famous writer, best-selling author, speaker. Yeah, yep, and yeah, the gap, the gap, and the game, and the gap is like, uh, you, you know, when you're in an area and you're stagnated and you haven't learned anything, and and the gain is when you're when you're looking at the the positive side of things, you're learning, you're growing, you got that growth mindset, you're developing, um, and. Uh, Benjamin Hardy is really the author. He's a he's a PhD psychologist, and Dan Sullivan is more of a uh, a minimal con contributor. But it's it's all based on Dan Sullivan's methodology, so to speak. Right. Yeah, he's got to be up in his seventies now, at least. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm um, really into journaling. Uh, Yes, you are. Yeah. One of the things that uh, that I've been working on over the last three or four months is uh, um, mining our subconscious, developing and fine tuning intuition. Uh, so I've taken a much more intentional approach now to journaling with the goal of fine tuning and growing my intuition. That's that's mm. really what I've been working on. Interesting. Well, we have a series of web-shaped cells in the back of our brain called the reticular activating system. And its function is to let in profitable data. It's the how part of our brain. And so when we have a goal, uh, a what, and when we have reasons, the whys, uh, the how comes in time. But I found that whenever I'm really serious about a particular goal, and I've been affirming it for a while, uh, driving in the car, taking a shower, working out, do, going for a walk, doing something else is sometimes the best time. I remember Hollihan used to tell a story. He said, "I, whenever I'd go for a walk, uh, when I went anywhere out of the house, I would take a piece of eight by 11 piece of paper and I'd fold it into four parts and I'd keep a pen in my back pocket. And if I came across an idea, I would jot it down on that piece of paper and then fold it over and then keep going. And I, and I never forgot that. So because of that, I thought, well, I don't want a piece of paper flying around in my back pocket. I, I just carry my journal with me everywhere I go. So out to dinner with a client this last week in North Carolina, I had my journal with me. And the client said, do you take your journal everywhere? 
I said, well, not to bed, but, you know, pretty much everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny thing, uh, and I I, I got to say, I was a little remiss in not calling Dan Holohan a mentor. He he is a writing mentor for me. Yes. Um, I, I carried that piece of paper for 20 years in my pocket uh, because I learned it from Dan. The other right. thing I learned, learned from Dan, the greatest writing help in my career has, was something I learned from him, who he got it from Dr. Gabriel Rico, and it's called uh, um, Clustering which is basically mind mapping, which I do every day. Yeah. Yep. And I do it be uh, mostly every, everything I ever write, I do it. And then I, it's just another way of also my, uh, mining our subconscious. And well, uh, you're also on the right side of the brain when you do that. Yep. Yep. Right. So oh, yeah. I, I, when I explain mind mapping in seminars, I say, look, it's like a, it's like a solar system. The sun is the goal. The, the sun is in the center of the page. And then around that are the planets and the moons. And you fill out your whole solar system until you can't think of anything else. And then you walk away. And I do it with like a blue pen. And then I walk away, get a cup of coffee, go for a walk, whatever. When I come back, I change to a red pen. And then I prioritize the mind map, the planets, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I just start writing. I mean, I literally did it this morning. Uh, I'm writing a new book. And uh, there's a chapter on self-effacing humor. And I mind map that whole thing. And so once it's once the mind maps there, the writing's easy because all the planets are there for exploration and you know capturing. Uh, I love how you put that because uh, that's exactly how it works. I mean, exactly how it works. And uh, Holohan uh, used to talk about going for a walk. And it and by the way, in that book, The Art of Impossible, they talk about the same thing. And what they really encourage you to do is something. Do something physical so you do the mind mapping or you do the clustering uh then go do something physical and then right. come back i mean just like you just you just mentioned uh yeah watching, Stephen watch yeah Stephen oh, king ahead. talks about that in his book on writing he says when you're done with your first manuscript uh, click save and don't even look at it for three weeks and when i did that with the simple choice i was on a flight i don't know from somewhere and i was watching a movie with johnny depp about the guy that wrote peter pan and uh, I got an idea to change the ending of the book. Hmm. And then when I got back home, I, 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 I literally changed the ending and it made the story so much better. And it's really ironic. You mentioned Dan Hollihan. So I'd sent it to him and I asked for a quote from him. And he said, hey, would you let, let me do something? I said, sure. What's that? He said, I'd like to edit your book for you. And I went, what? He said, yeah, it'd be really fun. And I said, well, how much does that cost? He goes, no, 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 it'd be fun. I'd just like to do it. So he literally edited my third book, and he made it so much better. And I, that's I how, know that. That's how we became friends. And wow. then there, I got one more Dan Hollihan story before we ran out of time. So in 2003, he was the opening speaker. I was the closing speaker for the Radiant Panel Association. And I had not met him up to that point. So, But I'd read his articles, I'm sure, like you had. And so I approached him. I said, hey, uh, Dan, Mark Madison, good to meet you. He goes, hey, you have a book, right? I said, yeah, I have one, you know, Freedom for Fear. And he said, sit down. We'll sell some of your books. He was signing books to all these plumbers and HVAC guys. So he said, you know, tell me your story. So we just started talking. And I said, what drives you, Dan? And this is one of my favorite stories. And he looked at me and he says, you know, I said to my wife one day, he said, if I could put four girls through college, writing and speaking, my life will have meant something. And literally, 
Dave, a light went off in my head. I had three young kids, three boys, and I thought if I could put three boys through college, writing and speaking, that would be something. And I'd been doing it for about five or six years up to that point, but it was literally my gigantic why. And it was such a powerful conversation. And and I guess what I'm saying is each of us has to find that why, yeah. that meaning, that purpose, the, the reason behind what we do. And you've done that, my friend. You've written an extraordinary book. You're making a difference in people's lives and never forget that you're doing some good work in this world. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What are, that's a powerful story, uh, Mark. Wow. <laughs> I know I tell it, <laughs> I, I tell it for, so I can hear it again, mostly. I mean, yeah, that's the reason yeah. I tell most of the stories I have. So, well, so let me ask you this question. What yeah. have you been writing for a long time? What advice would you give somebody who wants to be a writer? <laughs> don't blink write every day write and and you can um free freehand free pages uh julia cameron calls it morning pages three pages of uh, uh free writing um i highly recommend doing that because it just loosens up the brain it gets you flowing uh just freehand writing is is what i uh, i suggest and and the stories will come. It'll it'll come. Uh, tell the listeners more about Julia Cameron, because I've read a couple of her books, and I, I think she's a genius. Yeah, Julia Cameron uh, wrote The Artist Way, which is probably one of the better-selling uh, books, you know, in American history. Uh, uh, and she had uh, uh, a cup, a cup, quite a few different tools. The book The Artist Way is really a book written to help writers and artists overcome uh, uh, resilience and, and to flourish and, and that type of thing. But the morning pages is a tool. Uh, she has another one called the artist dates, which I did. Um, you know, you just go out and you, on a day, you know, one day a week and you just go out and explore, you take your camera, take your journal. Um, I used to take my recorder. I took my camera, my journal, my recorder, and then years later, I just took my smartphone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just uh, go out, observe the world, make notes, uh, learn um, that type of thing. What was your uh, what was your takeaway from her? Anything stick out? Well, I did a book study with the the morning book you talked about. Uh, there were about seven of us, and we did we read a chapter, and we met once a week to talk about it. And that was a that was great. It was like uh, for me, the artist way. I had a client probably 25 years ago. He was reading it one day and we were at lunch and he got there before I did. And I said, what? And this guy was a, he, he owned a beer distributorship, right? But I'd coached his son and I knew this guy for a long time, but he was one of these serious students. He was, he was always reading. And I said, why are you reading that book? And he said, well, it was recommended to me by some people. He said, I don't know that I'll ever be a writer, but he said, uh, I know I need help in creativity. And so, uh, you know, I've long believed that, that all of us need to engage in some kind of art, whether that's poetry or sculptures or drawing or writing. I mean, to me, here's the great thing for guys like you and me, we're never going to retire mm -hmm. because there's always one more story. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I wrote a poem recently and I liked it so much. I realized there were 16 points in that poem and now that's the next book I'm working on. And that was, you know, that jumped ahead of a, another project I have, and that, that's now on the back burner. 
but I'm never going to stop. There'll always be one more story, right? And I figure by the time I'm 95, Dave, that's when I'll sit down and say, okay, it's time for me to do something different. Yeah, after 30 <laughs> more years, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, parting shot. Uh, P.S. Here's something else you'd like everyone to know. Um, well, I am a big fan of the Go Time Success Group. It's uh, it's not just a place where I where I work. It's it's a way of life. Uh, we describe it in the book, and I'm I'm very passionate about the the way that we approach people. Um, the way we approach bettering ourselves. And so my PS would be uh, check out the Go Time Success Group and check out our book. It's Go Time. That's awesome. And one more time, how, how do we go about contacting you and or Go Time? Uh, just go to, to the, uh, the website, gotimesuccessgroup.com. Uh, you could check the about page for all of the coaches. All of our information is there. And then also you can uh, click on the buy the buy the book link. And again, we uh, we do deep discounting for uh, large purchases of the book. That's awesome. And a thought just popped into my head. It was from Zig Ziglar, but I think it was originally came from Teddy Roosevelt. It really is true. We can have everything you want with everything we want in life if we help enough other people get what they want first. And you've always had a servant's heart, my friend. So uh, I really appreciate you making the time out of your busy schedule to talk today. Oh, thank you. This was this was great. This was great. I, you're one of the few people out there that really, really uh, sync with, with my thinking as well. So I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it just means we're both a little nuts. <laughs> yeah. True story. Well, listen, make it a great day unless you have other plans. You got it. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206 697 0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books simply go to my website www.sparkingsuccess.net and remember make it a great day unless you have other plans